0: Welcome back. Rob, reporter on 970 WDAY. Your call-in number, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We have got John, who has been waiting patiently on the line. John, you're on. Go ahead.
1: You know, Rob, I always wait patiently for you and Jake, as you guys actually spew the truth most of the time.
0: I try. <laughs> I try. You know,
1: I'm going to disagree with you, Rob. You know, when you say there's no silver bullet to this, you know, to some of these drug problems. there's Plenty of silver bullets out there. But our court system and our our criminal justice system refuse to really address the issue. I'll tell you, you know, my opinion has been very strong for a long time. First of all, North Dakota does not have the death penalty. I disagree with that. I believe when it comes to some of these major drug dealers and these people who – jointly sell things like you know again, here we have a fentanyl incident okay when you get to the bottom of who these dealers truly are and you convict them beyond a reasonable doubt it should be the death penalty it should be with absolutely no appeals you're done out the door oh. out back shoot them, just like they do in china i don't i, I don't i don't i
0: don't agree with you i don't want to so live in a society where we, where, where we don't we, where we don't
1: where have appeal and, 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 and to me that's where
0: but we have a constitutional right to appeal convictions. I mean, that's well, in the Constitution. We can't just do away with that.
1: Well, but again, when you're convicted beyond a reasonable shadow of a doubt, when the evidence is overwhelming, but do you know how many innocent
0: people over the years have been convicted beyond the reasonable doubt standard? Like they've been convicted in court, found guilty, imprisoned, in some instances put to death, and we later find out that they're innocent.
1: Well, but Are you a lot okay of that, with was that based on you know the DNA processes years ago. You know the. the, the, the you can sugarcoat it any way you want, Rob, but realistically, realistically, this country seriously needs to sit down and readdress this problem and yeah. come up with a better solution instead of continuing to just throw billions upon billions upon billions of dollars at it to no avail.
0: I have – I listen, I agree with you. Our drug policy needs an overhaul. I, I disagree with you. I, I am not a fan of the death penalty, and and I think that my position comes from – having worked in a in a small way uh, in in the world of criminal defense and i can tell you that the criminal justice system is not while it's very very good and it's the best we can make it it is still a product of human beings and it is nowhere near perfect enough in my mind to where i feel comfortable putting somebody to death based on the outcomes of the criminal justice system and i say that not as somebody who is necessarily opposed to the death penalty for certain types of crime, I'm not opposed to it. It's 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 not. I I think that if we can establish that a crime was absolutely committed, then maybe sometimes it's appropriate. My problem is is the system's not, perf- not perfect enough for me, and I would rather. I I guess I'm in the boat. Uh, you know what's the famous saying? I'd rather let nine guilty people go free than convict one innocent person. I, that's that's well, my I, approach. And I, and I maybe people disagree, disagree
1: with you on that, then. Rob. I, you know on, on that point, but when you have people. You know, for example, when you arrest a drug dealer and there's just pounds and pounds and pounds of drugs in their possession, and then they're you, you know what I'm saying? It, to me, that's beyond a reasonable doubt. Your okay. intent is there, and, See, and, but, and why do we? You know, why would we condone yeah. someone like that?
0: So, so I here here's here's my problem because so much of so much of our drug policy is based on attacking supply, right? Like getting the traffickers getting the, the, the people who are manufacturing it, depending on what's growing it, manufacturing it, whatever, depending on whatever drug we're talking about. Um, we, we we tend to attack on that. And we don't tend to, to spend a lot of time addressing what actually drives everything, which is the demand, right? There would be no illicit drug industry. There would be no drug trafficking if there weren't demand for drugs in the united states and so uh, to me why why do people want these drugs and 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 i I guess i guess that's what leads me to say there's no silver bullet because that is a very complicated question i think part of it is driven i I won't
1: argue i I won't argue that point okay but but the counterpoint of it is is because the product is also so readily available you know there's no end to the madness you know in other words but doesn't you cut if, if 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 the supply was not there Less people would wind up addicted because, again, they would not be able to access the supply.
0: So here's 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 the thing: is the supply? I I agree with you. The the supply is 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 readily available. I mean, we can get these drugs. They're in our communities. I don't like it, but they can, and 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 they're in our communities despite billions, trillions, really, over the years of dollars spent on fighting the creation, the manufacturing slash growth, distribution, sale, possession, use of drugs. And and so I wonder, <laughs> is it really a situation where getting tougher, you know, spending more money on more cops and stiffer penalties is really going to produce the sort of outcomes that we want? I'm not so sure because we've tried that and it's not working. And and really I think it's the great lesson of alcohol prohibition we tried to solve society's problems with alcohol by banning it and it didn't work as a matter of fact it made alcohol abuse worse and so what happened is is we we legalized it again we gave people access to alcohol again and what happened is is people you know we, we focused on treating alcohol addiction and while it's not perfect and there's still a lot of people out there that abuse alcohol we're at least in a position where I, I think overall our society has a healthier relationship with alcohol than maybe we did 30 40 50 years ago or even going all the way back to prohibition days so i oh, I, I, I don't know I and, and i'm not i'm not that I'm that saying topic. just I'm not just I'm not saying just legalize the drugs because obviously I think alcohol is something that you can use recreationally it's possible to use alcohol in a responsible manner you can't say that about opiates or you know uh meth or or, or drugs like that I mean there's no there's no Responsible way to use meth. So I'm not saying just legalize everything. I'm just saying I'm not sure the, the the get tough, tougher penalties, tougher enforcement thing. I'm not sure it works. I think I think we're reaching a we've we've reached a point of diminishing returns with that.
1: Well, but you know part of the issue too, Rob, though, is you know when you think about you know in the in, in the drug culture more so than the, and again when you talk about prohibition, it probably has a tie back to it. Um, that. The penalty is there, but it's not stiff enough versus the reward gained by the dealer. Yeah.
0: On the flip side, you got to remember, though, every time every time we make those penalties stiffer, we, we run up costs. And that was something we saw here in the state of North Dakota, where we kept making the penalties stiffer. And what happened is, and we had Leanne Birch, the director of the Department of Corrections, on this show earlier this week, and that was... You know, she had a statistic where something like from 2005 to 2015, the prison population in the state of North Dakota went up something like more than 200%. So that has a cost, too. It's it's not an easy...
1: There needs to be an ultimate penalty, Rob, at, at, at the highest levels, you know, to deter it. Because to me... I don't think it's a the
0: deterrent, supply. and I don't. I, I'm not sure the stiffer penalties are a deterrent. I mean, not you look at some of these Mexican cartels. You think the death penalty scares them? I don't think so. But John, we're out of time this segment to talk. Thanks so much for the call. Uh, we're going to go to a break. We'll be back with the legislative majority leaders on the Rob Report right after this. So go away. Welcome back. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. Well, the legislative session wrapped up down in Bismarck yesterday evening, and on with me to discuss it this afternoon is House Majority Leader Al Carlson, Republican from Fargo, of course. Representative Carlson, thanks for your time.
2: Well, hello, Rob.
0: Also uh, joining us is Senate Majority Leader Rich Wardner, Republican from Dickinson. Senator Wardner, thank you for your time. Yeah, good afternoon, Rob. Representative Carlson, let's start with you. Um, what's the takeaway from this legislative session? As, as taxpayers and citizens and voters across the state are looking at the work you guys did, what's the headline from you to them?
2: You know, the headline was that we balanced the budget with a lot less money, and we didn't raise taxes, and we didn't raid the legacy fund. I mean, that, in a nutshell, is a very simple headline.
0: Senator Warner, that, that's that's uh, that's certainly a, a a big deal, and I, I think it's probably a testament Republicans can rightfully say that we did talk, you know, Republicans did tuck away a lot of uh, reserves to, to make this this possible, that we could balance the budget after some pretty extraordinary declines in revenues. But what about the property tax situation? Because that was something all the way back during the campaign last year. Representative Marvin Nelson, who was running for governor at the time, said that if if, if the legislature doesn't fund... If it cuts back on some of the the money it's been sending to the local level, we're going to see property tax increases. Now, I know the legislature passed that takeover of social services, but they didn't do the 12% buy-down. By the math I'm doing, that 12% buy-down was bigger than the social services. Isn't there a gap there in in funding that's, that's going to fall on property taxes? I mean, what happens? Can we expect property tax increases? Well, you're
3: right. Your math is correct. Uh, the proper, the uh, takeover uh, is about $160 million, and uh, if we were doing the 12% buy-down, it would be about 260 So it's about around a $100 million difference. But you know what? People need to understand the state has stepped up. They have been taking care of property taxes embedded in the school funding since 2008. And you know how big that's gotten? over a billion dollars, you know, we have to take the valuation increases just like everybody else. And so when you calculate property taxes, and uh, you put in the money that's embedded in the school funding, which would have been on the property owners. Instead, it's the state. And you put the social service takeover and a couple other issues, the state of North Dakota is paying about 38 percent, about 38 percent of the property taxes where people get services from property taxes. We're paying about 38 percent of it when you go back to 2008. I think the state is doing a great job of trying to help the political subs out. Now, with that being said, I believe that, you know, the political subs, uh need to trim their budgets too. And, uh, we did, we did a great job. I'm, I'm proud of this session, what we accomplished. And, uh, representative Carlson is right on the money.
0: Uh, Al, uh, 701-293-9000. If you have any comments or questions, 888-970-9329. You can email me as well. Talk at WDAY.com. Uh, what happens? Cause it seems to be that the, uh, representative Carlson, and, and you obviously remember this, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Uh, it seems like, like the state got into the property tax business in the first place because people kept blaming the state for their property taxes going higher, which I think you know, we could say, well, that's not really fair. The state doesn't levy the property taxes. But what happens if that's the political dy- dynamic in 2018, where there's this gap, the state is obviously now providing less money to the locals? If property taxes go up, what are you going to say if people blame the legislature for that?
2: Oh, well, they probably will, but the problem has never existed with us. The problem... Is, exists with the fact that in most of our major growth areas the, the uh, assessments or excuse me the valuations are growing rapidly and these local political subdivisions are are uh, not lowering their mill levies to correspond with all the new value they get in the new uh, taxable area and they have more money to spend without raising and uh, without, without without by telling the taxpayers, <coughs> hey we didn't change the mills but because they didn't change the mills the valuations went up uh, we need to still, we didn't get enough reform done this time, Rob. We need to reform. We need to get the local voters engaged because quite obviously the state cannot keep up with that, that level of funding. Besides, you say yourself, we don't. We neither assess it nor collect it, but yet we got in the middle of it. Uh, you could make an argument that we probably should have never gotten in the middle of the first place, but that's water under the dam. Uh,
0: Rich. One thing, I mean, uh, Representative Carlson just said we didn't get enough reform done. Right at the end of the session there, the House passed a cap on property taxes. When it went over to the Senate side, it went down in flames on a unanimous vote. Any regrets about that?
3: No. uh, We have a philosophical difference between the House and the Senate, or between myself and Representative Carlson, we think you put caps on, everybody moves to those caps. We think it is counterproductive. That was the bottom line. Now, who's right and who's wrong? I don't know. We we feel we're right. Uh, house and, uh, House leadership, you know, they felt they were right. But I want to make one other comment, and I've, and I've read some of your stuff. Over the years, people really ripped us about spending too much money, spending too much money. Do you know that since 2008, we've embedded this property tax into the budget? If we were to take that away, we wouldn't be spending very much money. In fact, property taxes make up 29% of our general fund budget from going back to 2008. And so I'll tell you what, I I feel we've done a great job of trying to make sure that we share the wealth from the oil taxes to the people. And uh, people criticize us about spending too much, but Representative Carlson will tell you, we cut income taxes four bienniums in a row, and there's a lot of people that criticize us for doing that, because if we wouldn't have, they feel we'd have been had more money. Not really. We'd have spent it on something, and we'd have had to cut that back, and there'd have been just as much anguish going on over that. But no, I, uh, on, the, on the tax, on the cap on the tax, it's just simply a philosophical difference.
0: Representative Carlson, one one criticism I've heard from people is that, and 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 frankly, some some lawmakers who uh, I, I think one earlier this week told me it was ridiculous that that they were still you you folks were still in session this week. Uh, do you feel I, I heard Senator Warner just say that 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 you and and he had some philosophical differences on property taxes and other issues? Do you think it's fair to be critical of? Of you and, and even Senator Wardner about you know maybe maybe doing some things that prolonged the session unnecessarily, and one issue that has been brought up to me was you dropping that uh, gambling bill towards you know very, very late in the session that turned out to be very controversial and sucked up a lot of time. Are there things that could do to, that, that you could do to to make the session move smoother?
2: You know that the gambling bill was not that late in the session, plus it didn't take up any more time than any other bill. I mean, it went through the process, had a hearing, had a vote, and it was gone. So that that was, you know, they all take time. I don't care what they are, the marijuana bill. If you want to talk about something that ate up a lot of time, the marijuana bill ate up a lot of time. Uh, getting that higher ed budget uh, straight was, uh, took some time. Uh, the uh, the fact that we had a couple of vetoes to deal with took some time. In fact, we had to redo the uh, auditor's budget took some time. So There's a lot of things that take time. But the... Uh, You know, it doesn't make any difference how many days we stay, Rob. We're there every other year for up to 80 days, and the secret is to get it right. And uh, Senator Bordener and I will both agree that we stayed there as long as it took to get it right. In the end, the product was pretty darn good.
0: 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, talking with the majority leaders from the legislature on the wrap-up of the session. Certainly call in with your comments or questions. Um, Rob, I'd like
3: to follow up on what uh, Representative Carlson said. He's absolutely Absolutely. correct. The issue, if you want to know the real issue, we had a difference of opinion on self-funded and when we were going to break the contract. The current provider felt they had four more years on their contract with a a renewal in two years. Over in the Senate, we thought it should go the full way. Representative Carlson in the House felt that At the end of the next two years, we should change and and take a look at self-funding. It was a legitimate difference of opinion, and we found compromise. And I agree with uh, Representative Carlson. you got to get it right. And so we didn't waste any time there. We were busy, and we were working. We were uh, trying to find compromise. And so uh, we were doing the work of the people, and I think when it's all said and done, we did an excellent job. And it's better to get it right than to get in a hurry and get it wrong.
0: All right, I got one last question for the both of you, and I'll start with Senator Wardner. I I, I think we're already starting to see what the Democrats are going to say about this legislative session heading into 2018. I think they're going to talk about – they're going to allege fiscal mismanagement – they're going to point out that we had huge revenues during the oil booms, and then we had to cut everything back, and it was really painful and awful. That's going to be their message, and that property taxes are going up. I know we've already sort of talked about the property tax issue at length, but what is your response? I mean, when they say the Republicans mismanaged the budget, how do you respond to that?
3: <laughs> I say we didn't. Uh, I'm, I am I would say that we put money away, and if we hadn't done what we did, We'd have really been in trouble, but because we had put money in different places and were able to weather the storm, uh, we didn't have to make as big a cuts as we would have had. And I'll tell you what, we still were able to fund our priorities. Representative you know, Carlson, same, same, same question yeah.
2: Last time it was because we uh, took the triggers off of oil, and they uh, never once made the proposal, and they and we stood for that and stood in the election. And when the dust settled, there was 22 Democrats between the two chambers and 119 Republicans. Uh, we took our message to the people. They liked the way we managed the state's money. And if they want to bring that as their next case, we'll be glad to deal with it. We need to uh, take a look at some property tax reform. And I'll agree with Senator Wardner that caps have an uh, an embedded problem in it. But I think if we take a look at it from an assessment value and do some averaging of these uh, tremendously big assessment increases and get the voters engaged in their own property tax, I think we'll have a good solution. So it's a work in progress. We're pleased with what we did. I think Senator Warner and I would, would have stayed for 80 days if we had to to get it right because if there's anything that comes up, the governor has every right to call us back, and we'll be standing there ready to help if, if that call comes.
0: Uh, Senator, uh, Representative Carlson, one last, I guess, quick question for you. Are you going to run again in uh, 2018? It was a pretty rough cycle for, uh, for your district, for Republicans in your district last time around. Are you running again?
2: Yeah, we're looking forward to the challenge, Rob.
0: All right. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Rob. Have a- That's uh, Senator Rich Wardner, Senate Majority Leader, and, of course, House Majority Leader Al Carlson. I, uh- More to come straight ahead, 701-293-9000-888-970-93293. Join the program, email talk at wday.com. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Pay me,
3: pay me, pay me my money down.
0: Welcome back, Rob Report. Here on 970 WDAY, 701-293-9000, 888 email talk at WDAY.com. We're going to wrap the show up. Jay Thomas Show, of course, coming up next. And I'm a little excited for this afternoon. Uh, this weekend, we're going to be spending some time at a comic book convention.
4: What comic book convention are you going to? I got really excited.
0: It's uh, Imagicon here in Minot. Oh, and it's okay. more than just it's more than it's it's gaming, it's, you know, comic books, it's yeah, art, it's a lot
4: of the local cons are are a little bit of everything, yeah. sci-fi, fantasy, video games, They comics. have uh,
0: they have the 1960s Batmobile. It's going to be here. Oh,
4: that's pretty cool.
0: That is pretty cool. Yeah, we're excited about it. They got art. I mean, they got everything. I mean, Cooper, I mean, Cooper's a baby. Cooper's one. But they've got I guess you know, they got stuff for him and my, you know, we're going to have fun. We have a we have a lot of fun at these things.
4: You should dress Cooper up as an Ewok. He's
0: actually going as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Okay, I will
4: accept Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle.
0: Or we, we may be repurposing a Halloween costume <laughs>
4: from last year that still
0: fits. Layla is going as a Pokemon trainer.
4: Oh, good stuff.
0: She has been excited about that. She got her new... Uh, she got. I had to buy her this belt off of Amazon because she put it together and she had, a, she had the shirt and the hat and she had all that stuff. Uh, but she needed, I guess, a belt for her poke. So that arrived this week. And she well, yeah, because that's that's
4: where it. the pokeballs go. And, exactly, and they don't sit on normal belts very well.
0: Right. I don't know anything really about Pokemon at that all. Is po- a, that
4: is a crying shame. How can you not know anything about Pokemon?
0: You know, I think we've discussed this before, like when the app came out and it was a craze. And, and there were a lot of people my My wife's into it. There's a lot of people my age who are really into it. And I I just must have completely missed it. I don't know anything about Pokemon. I, I never, as a kid, I don't know anything about it.
4: Well, you were, you were probably a little bit older when they came out when they came out with the first one at least a little bit older than i was i was about 8 i think when the first pokemon game came out that was in 1996
0: yeah 1996 so i'd have been
4: 16 yeah so you were old. you were a little old for the, the that initial target market i think they caught a lot of the uh, and
0: now it's a nostalgia market in a well, big way well
4: it's and there's still a lot of kids that play it too it's still definitely bringing in new kids at that 10-12 age all the time um, I used to help run the Pokemon League here in Fargo, and we had adults who played and we had new kids who were playing. and my favorite was all of the time we'd get parents come in with their like eight year old because they'd be nervous about letting their eight year old come to some event at the mall without yeah. them. So they'd play too, and then they'd get into it.
0: Yeah. so I mean I mean that's so I, I just completely and you know what I think I was really into like magic, the gathering, and some of that kind of stuff. But
4: I didn't learn how to play magic till I was in college. Really? Yeah. yeah. I really love it. I got into it.
0: I got into it pretty young. Uh, you know, basically we, we have a, a situation where and as you can hear we had somebody just ring the doorbell. So the, uh sorry about that. Um, but anyway, we we basically have uh, you know a situation where I enjoy playing magic and I, I enjoy a lot of the books and a lot of the board games. They have a settlers of Catan tournament that i'm super nervous
4: serious game are you going to compete
0: i am not going to compete because i'm afraid of of making myself look silly by competing so anyway we're going to wrap the show up that's it for me remember you can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m monday through friday or 24 hours a day seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com thanks for listening and we'll talk again